Hello and thank you for listening to episode 385 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is another of our remastered interview shows, which hopefully you know by now are the interview shows that me and Tom did back in our days with 80s Picture House, where we interviewed... Well, we interviewed... I think the, the proper turn is a, a shit ton of people. A lot. I'm just looking at the list now. And uh, was from, that? from the 80s. and forty-seven interviews. Uh, no, we did... 51 interviews that was episode 147 was the last one 147 <laughs> interviews we did a lot of interviews if you listen to episode 384 which hopefully you did you'll know uh that jim winorski my my movie pick my rewatch pick for this september decade of decadent show is um chopping mill Yes. I had to think then for a second. So we're releasing this after we've released the August Decade of Decadence show. Thought it'd fit in well. Prime you ready for uh, when we talk about Chopping Mall. Uh, and as I said, in the August show, we did also, we've done interview shows with Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton, who are both Indeed. in Chopping Mall. Yep. They are two more interview shows that we are going to release in the not too distant future. So, uh, and I haven't said this for quite a while, keep your subscriptions active. To not miss out on those interview shows. Uh, Jim, mate, we recorded this uh, in... Oh, let me guess, let me guess. Go on then, have a guess. Was it the 11th of October 2013 at about quarter past five in the evening? Oh my God, that is perfect. How did I do it? <laughs> Coming up to eight years ago when we, we recorded this. Jim, awesome guest, really, really funny. Uh, great stories about Chopping Mall, of course, yeah. uh, which is one of the main reasons we're releasing this as well. Uh, you'll also find out what uh, Jim thought of um, Tanya Roberts. Yes. He he's, he's, he's not too vague about what he thought about her. <laughs> no, no, he, he, he is pretty on the nose. Yeah, and uh, you'll, you'll hear that along with other awesome stories. I mean, he's such a prolific uh, filmmaker. I'm just looking now on his IMDb. Uh, under director... Uh, time of recording, 104 credits as director. Almost as many um, films as interview shows that we've done. Uh, very nearly. <laughs> very nearly. Uh, very prolific writer as well, 59 credits. 60 as producer, 47 as an actor. Yeah. Uh, lot, lots of stuff. You're going to love this show, uh, You know, even though I say so myself. Mm. And uh, So keep listening. And uh, subscribe, ready for the Kelly Moroni and... Uh, Barbara Crampton shows, and of course the September Decade of Decadence when we will re-watch Chopping Mall. Indeed we will. And see how that has stood up to the test of time. Yeah. This, however, we are certain has definitely stood up to the test of time very well. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and listen to me and Tom way back in 2013 chat to the awesome Jim Wynorski. Hi, this is director Jim Wynorski, famous for directing such... Titles is Chopping Mall, Deathstalker 2, Not of This Earth, and Return of Swamp Thing. And I'm guesting on the 80s Picture House this week, so tune in. You'll hear some good stuff. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the 80s Picture House and the 18th of our In Conversation with series. I'm Dave and as always I'm joined by my fellow co-host Tom. 
Hello. Uh, and tonight, oh wow, we're excited. We're going to chat with a guy. He's one of the most prolific directors out there and he's kept me highly entertained since the 1980s and continues to do so. We're going to chat to the great Jim Winorski. Hiya, Jim. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're great. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, too. My pleasure. Oh, right. Come on, let's get this started with let's uh, the listeners. Give them a bit of background into you know where you grew up. How did you get into the movie business? And... Oh, here we go again. The, the, the same the... old, same old questions. <laughs> the usual spiel. <laughs> well, you know, I was, uh, I was adopted uh, and uh, taken in by uh, a bunch of people who, um, you know, showed me horror movies from a very early age. And uh, I got indoctrinated, and uh, um, so so much for the beginnings of my career. I um, I went to school. I flunked out of film film courses, and uh, I said, "Okay, the hell with you guys. I'll still do it." And uh, I went out to um, L.A. and met up with Roger Corman and. You know, got you know the rest. I made a lot of movies. I think I have 160 movies to my credit right now. You have, and you still got plenty more planned too, haven't you? I'm still. I think there's a couple left. Oh. But the last time I looked, I counted about 160 plus movies. So there's a lot out there. <laughs> there's plenty to catch up on. That's for sure. I, I would I would say at least one tenth of them are watchable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I've seen more than that. I've definitely like Jess seen Franco, you know? You got, <laughs> at least one-tenth of his output is watchable. <laughs> Just probably pissed off a lot of Franco fans, but who cares? <laughs> How did you get to meet Roger Corman then? Back in the, it was 1980, wasn't it? I got fired off a TV show for making up obscene calls to um, sorority houses. <laughs> Um, so you're laughing at that. It's absolutely true. I got one of the first jobs I ever had in uh, the industry was working on a TV show called Breaking Away, which was based on the movie. And the moment I got to, uh, I was doing the location manager work, and as soon as I got to um, Georgia where they were shooting, um, there was a spate of uh, obscene phone calls to sorority houses on campus where we were shooting and I was the scapegoat and they fired me because they didn't have any evidence at all but they fired me and they said you're the one okay and I could have sued and done a lot of shit but I didn't um, but they they bought me a, a first class ticket <laughs> to LA and in first class I met up with someone who knew Roger Carmen very well and I was I was totally you know bummed by what happened. And I told him what happened. He says, you know, I got a friend, Roger Corman. And I said, what? Yeah. So he set me up with a meeting with Roger, and the rest is history. So if I hadn't been on that plane and hadn't been fired for the, wrongfully fired, I think I would have never met Corman. Wow. And the whole thing might have been different. Wow. That's some coincidences going on there. Well, well, you know, I think, you know, life's a bunch of that stuff, you know, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. If I could go back now and change a few things, I'd certainly do it. But uh, anyway, uh, that's how it happened. 
I got uh, fired off a show and then put on a plane by the producer who knew I was he was doing the wrong thing. And he gave me a first class ticket, and that's how it all came about. Mm-hmm. Producer, by the way, was uh, Bert Leonard, who produced Rin Tin Tin and Route 66. Oh wow! And uh, the first AD was a guy named Don Clune, who had worked on Twilight Zone, and whose mother was Hillary Brooke. So it was quite a it was quite a rogues gallery of people to, to uh, maybe doing my first job with. Oh, definitely, yeah. So anyway, were you... well, that's it for that's it for that. What's the next question? <laughs> uh, I want to, first of all, I want to talk about the book. You've had a book published. They came from outer space. Oh, yeah, that's another weird story. I, I got an appendicitis. I I, I had really I, I didn't know I had one, but I had one. And I went to the, I didn't have any medical or I didn't have nothing. I was out in California with about 10 cents in my pocket. And I went to the hospital and this doctor saved my life. Literally saved my life at the last minute because I was on the ro- on the way out. If I'd waited another couple of hours, I might have been croaked. I might have croaked. So anyway, while I'm recovering, I, he said, you can't go anywhere for at least two weeks. So I started making calls, and I came up with the idea of this book. It came to me when I was watching TV in the hospital room. And I said, you know, someone should write write a book about all these movies that had short stories beforehand, and that's how that book came about. I had I couldn't move, I couldn't I couldn't get out of bed, so I sat there and compiled this stuff. This is pre-internet, of course, and. Um, I called some people at Doubleday Books, um, and they bought it. So that was how that book came about. I never intended to be a book guy, but um, I said, this is a book I'd like to have in my own collection. So that's how that book came about. Ah. And you know, it's really collectible over here. I was looking today on Amazon UK. The cheapest, yeah. the cheapest you can buy it for, new, and I converted it to dollars, is $105. <laughs> and not worth it not and, worth it and that, that's the cheapest it goes up to uh, <laughs> not worth it $153 is the most expensive new alright well that is the biggest rip off I've ever heard <laughs> for $163 they can call me direct and I will read them the story okay <laughs> I think that's a good deal <laughs> uh your first, your first gig as director then, and you were a writer as well, The Lost Empire, 1985. My first gig was a writer, as a writer, was Forbidden World, and okay. then Sorceress, and then Screwballs. Mm. And then I wrote and directed The Lost Empire. And what was that like? Was, what was it like directing for the first time? You know, it was great. <laughs> I can't, I, I said, you know, I may never get another chance to do this. I want to put everything I love into one movie. I shouldn't have done it, but I put, you know, gorillas. I put in lasers. I put in Lost Island, you know, busty chicks. <laughs> anything I could think of that I, and I, I, I did a little tribute to spaghetti westerns. I did everything. I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to put it all in one 85-minute movie. And I did. And it was done for a company that wanted to lose money. It was a it was a it was a tax write off, and 
when it was done, they started playing it, and it was making money. And they decided to keep distributing it, which was great. So we had a, you know, we had a double bill going out, and I was on the top half, and it was great to see the movie playing in theaters for a while. Okay. And um, then it fell into limbo, 80s limbo, okay? It, it played cable in a in a awful pain and scan version, and then it disappeared. And the only way to see it was off an old Vestron tape. And that Vestron tape was the same shitty master that, had been on television. Total pan and scan job because I shot this thing widescreen. It looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, just, oh, I say about eight months ago, I finally got a hold of the people who owned the rights. It was the rights reverted to other people and then it went to another company and it went to another company and it was hard to even find who owned it. But I finally found it. I got the elements back and I just did a high def, you know, widescreen Blu-ray version of it, which is coming out very shortly. Oh, that's brilliant news. So it's like a whole new film because the, 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 the UK, there's a the UK DVD that looks like it was, you know, made from a dupe VHS <laughs> and uh, it's also, you know, pan scan murky. looks terrible. So this is a, a brand new upgrade, and I think people will enjoy it now again in this new version. Oh yeah, well, well, as soon as it comes out, we'll help to promote that too, because I'm looking forward to seeing it in widescreen. That's for sure. It's a different movie, it's oh. a totally different movie. The, Vest- the Vestron Master, which went all over the world, is just about as awful as it gets. Oh. And you had you had Angus Scrib in it as well, and not for the first time. Angus Scrib has uh, been a good friend of mine for a long time, and he was in uh, Lost Empire. He was in Chopping Mall. He was in um, uh, Transylvania Twist. He was in one of the Munchie movies. I think both Munchie movies actually. And uh, he's uh, he's a really good guy. He's getting old now, but uh, he must be like a hundred years old by now. But <laughs> he's a good guy. Very nice guy. One of the best. Yeah, I was lucky enough to meet him. I think it was at Fango Weekend of Horrors, like about 20-odd years ago. And he was he was really nice guy to meet then. Yeah, his real name is Rory Guy. And, um, you know, I, I've known him for a long, long time, 30 years. So, and, uh, you know, he's briefly in Chopping Mall. He, can't, he, he doesn't even have a close-up. He's just uh, in the background. So... Anyway, um, what else? Lost well, Empire. A lot of fun to make and, and going to be uh, looking really good when it comes out again in uh, high def. Is there any sort of date that we can be sort of looking forward to for that? No, nope, nope. I'm make, trying to make a deal now with, with Redbox here in the United States, uh, which would mean a lot of money. And I'm trying to make a deal with um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. So... And there's another guy who wants to put out a DVD, but I want to hold off on that until um, the uh, Redbox deal is done and yeah. we've made our money on that situation. I'm hoping you're going to do a commentary track on it too. You know, I've, I should. I really should. I've got Raven Delacroix in the wings waiting to do it So with me, so it should be a good one. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed you do.
Oh, I, 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 I'm going to try for it. Yes. Oh, great. Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure Tom's got a question for you that you've never been asked before. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the one that you've been asked the most. Um, obviously, after the Lost Empire becomes comes chopping malls. Uh, we've already had Kelly yeah. Maroney and Barbara Campton on the show. So, what was your experiences with that film? What were my experiences with that? I, I'll tell you the fun stuff. Okay, uh, getting the robots built and finally seeing them work. And having them work almost consistently well every every day on the set, um, working with Dick Miller, working with Paul Bartel and Mary Warrenoff, um, and the lovely Kelly Maroney, who I'd seen in Night of the Comet, and Barbara Crampton from Reanimator, and John Terleski, who's still my friend for a long time now, and uh, uh, Steve Mitchell, who co-wrote it with me. It was like a uh, a great time to be uh, doing this stuff in the 80s. I mean, you know, I was just flying by the seat of my pants, and, and I learned a lot of things making Lost Empire on what not to do. I said, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make this the action movie and just, you know, make it lean, mean, and, and, and keep it going. Put a, you know, put an exploding head in, putting, you know, putting, putting in laughs, putting in good times. I, we owned them all for you know three weeks we'd come in it was a, it was a shot around christmas time and we'd come out you know i think it was shot in november <clears throat> and part of december and in a couple of shots you could see christmas wreaths but not too many because we took them down and tried to make it look like a general ball and um uh the cast was great tony odell kelly barbara uh even Susie slater and and they were all good. They were great people to work with, and we were all having a great time. And, um, you know, for three weeks we got on the mall, and uh, um, we had it all to ourselves. Do you prefer directing something that you've written yourself or that somebody else has written? Uh, I prefer doing the stuff I've written because I kind of know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, with other people, I, I had a, a bad experience on a movie called Victim of Desire, where the script was in such horrible shape. And they, uh, the producer, Ashok Armitrage, who's done a million films, uh, kept saying, oh, just film it. Just film it. You know, And, of course, I did film it, and then they asked me why people were doing what they were doing. And I said, because I just filmed it. And... Um, that's what happened. It was a Shannon Tweed, Mark Singer picture, and it, it it didn't make any sense. Nobody knew what nobody knew what was going on, including me. So that's one I kind of disowned. It was it, it was interesting. It, it do certain scenes from the movie, but the movie itself doesn't make too much sense. <laughs> it was during the erotic thriller um, uh, uh, time back in the. Uh, I guess the late 80s and early 90s, they were doing a million of those erotic thrillers that they were selling. Oh, yeah, loads of them. I remember those in the video store. There was... Because you worked... Well, just jump forward quick. I know you worked with, like, Shannon Tweed, Morgan Fairchild. uh... (laughs) Yeah, my wife, Morgan Fairchild. (laughs) (laughs) I kept wanting to do that during the the whole shoot. I, I, I guess in the UK, you were not privy to Saturday Night Live, but there was a guy... Rob Schneider, comedian, and every week on, 
he was lying to people. That was his big thing. He would lie to people in these skits. He would lie to people and say, "Oh yeah, it's my wife, Margaret Fairchild," and and it was it was so <laughs> it was so hard to keep that from saying that around her. But I'm sure she got it all the time. And I said, "If I do it, she's going to hate me, and I'm not going to." Because she was a very nice person. Yeah, very sweet person. I had a good time working with her. And uh, she wanted she wanted to do her best. So, anyway, on to victory. What uh, else? Well, yeah. How's how's the film industry changed then since you started in the eighties to now? It's, as, let's say as a it director, changes, it changes every four years. Yeah. Every three or four years, it changes. There's a there's a new concept, a new a new sales. You know, everything's changing. It always changes. The internet changed it. Um. You know, VHS to DVD, DVD to Netflix, Netflix to Redbox, Redbox to, you know, whatever comes next, Hulu. It, it changes all the time, but you got to change with it. I mean, in the, in the late 90s, it was those stock footage movies where you, we were stealing footage from Paramount and, of, you know, from Top Gun and Hunt for Red October and making our own little movies and using this big stock footage. And people didn't know the difference most of the time. Then, then in the, in the, in the uh, and that 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 died in the uh, around 2001, 2002, and then I don't know if I forgot what came in. Oh, we we were doing monster flicks at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was a it was a uh, it was it's always it's always a, a, a guess a guessing game as to what will be next, and if you hit if you hit with it at the right time, you make a lot of money. Oh yeah. I mean, if you get if you get there first or second or even third, you can make some money. Right now, everybody's making a shark movie because Shark uh, Sharknado did so well. Oh yeah, that, that it's been so popular. And I've been I'm I'm getting ready to do Shark the Sharkansaw Women's Prison Massacre. I saw the title for that today, and I just looking at the title, I thought I've got to watch that. <laughs> I've got yeah, to of course watch you it. do. Of course, and, it, and it's going to deliver exactly what you want to see. Women you... in prison, escaping, and under, and land sharks. Sharks that go, through, go on land. This just gets so, better. And, uh, you know, hot chicks, you know, and good action. And uh, lots of, lots of shark, shark blood. And it's got... going to be fun. Yeah, you've got Cindy Lucas in it, haven't you? Yes, I do. And oh. Lucas is my uh, my main squeeze. She's mm-hmm. great, and so she should be. She, huh? she is great. <laughs> <laughs> I met her on the set of American Pie Seven, I think it was, and I I played a part alongside her uh, in the film. They called me to be to be an actor in that movie, and they flew me up to Canada, uh, which is where she was living, and um, I was on set with her couple of days and uh she was just the sweetest girl and i said if you ever make it down to la um uh come on come on down come on over and uh, she did and uh um i i put her in everything i like you know I, she's in piranaconda she's in a lot of my erotics and she's just a doll Oh, it's good when you get somebody that you can connect with like that. It's easy to work with. I guess it makes it a lot easier. You must have had people that have been a pain in the ass to work with as well. 
Oh yeah, Tanya Roberts. I hate her. Hate her. <laughs> hate her. That's all I can really say because, you know, uh, legally I can say I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate her. Okay. Was, was she probably the worst one that you've had to work with then? I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> hate her. And I mean hate. Not dislike, hate. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to 1987 now then, Jim. After you finished Choppy Mile, this is hopefully somebody you don't hate, you worked with uh, Angie Dickinson on Big Mama 2. Big I, Hold on, my phone is ringing. Let me see who this is. That's okay. Uh, forget it. I'll, I'll get it later. So, anyway, um, uh, yes, I did work with Angie, who was the sweetest, most, uh, uh, you know, wonderful actor I've ever worked with. Because one of the first films I ever saw as in my life was um, uh, Big, not Big Bad Men, uh, Rio Bravo. My father took me to see Rio Bravo. And I looked up at her and I said, that's a good looking girl up there on the screen. And I was only like five or six. And I said, I said, uh, wow, this is the, this is the movies. I want to, I want to, I want to keep, I want to keep coming back to the movies. And, uh, you know, I told her this story and, and she was such a sweetheart. Um, uh, there's a girl, a woman, I was a girl, she's a woman, but she, she, you know, she was attentive to everybody on set not just the higher ups she brought in a birthday cake for a grip she uh you know she talked to everybody so i will say that working with her was it was a was a treat real treat and she's a she's a real classy broad oh, that's good i remember watching her as pepper anderson in the 70s in policewoman i used to really enjoy that uh policewoman was great yeah, and I and I kept telling her about episodes I liked, and she said, "Oh, I like that one too." So, um, yeah, she was she was uh, she was a hottie, and uh, um, uh, so there you go. Um, working with her, and, and and on the other side, she, you know, I'll give you another uh, name: Robert Culp. Mm-hmm. Hate him. Hate him. <laughs> Hate him. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but I hate him. Okay? <laughs> hate him. Don't get me wrong. I hate him. Okay? <laughs> Not a good experience with him there. <laughs> well, he can't sue me, but I hate him. Okay? <laughs> he can't sue me, but I hate him. So, um, anyway. Go on. And of course, uh, working with Danielle Brisbois and uh, Julie McCullough as the two daughters were a very good time. Um, just for your dining and dancing pleasure, um, um, I was um, um, I was I, I believe I was dating Angel Tompkins at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember her? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to bring her to mind now. And I... All right. Well, you'll look her up. She was she was hot. She was she she was coming to the set every day to barbecue and do stuff like that. So it was like kind of fun. And and then I was also seeing 
Raven Delacroix from uh, Lost Empire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of the fun of making the movies is you meet these hot chicks. It's hard to resist when they're that close by. <laughs> so, Good anyway. times. <laughs> well, still in still in eighty seven, you brought back um, John Talersky from. He played Mike in Choppy Mal. You brought him back and you directed him. He played the Deathstalker in Deathstalker Two. Yes. Now Deathstalker Two was made before Big Bad Mama Two. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And John and I had had struck up a really good friendship during Chopping Mall. And when the time came to do Deathstalker, they wanted to bring back the. the Stiff that had played the first in the first film, <laughs> and, and the guy is you know I, I think his name is Rick something or other, but anyway Rick Hill, and um, I know Rick and he's got a personality, okay, a total personality, and he's a nice guy, but when you yell action, he he turns into a stiff, <laughs> and uh, um. And that's the way he played Deathstalker, not the way I wanted to see Deathstalker play. I wanted Errol Flynn, and and John Tuleski was Errol Flynn for me. So we went down there and and uh, to Argentina, threw the script in the garbage because it was one of those you know paint by numbers scripts you know with a villain and everything. I said you know John, I don't I don't want to make this movie. I want to make I want to make it happen one night, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's how Deathstalker 2 came about. Uh, we threw the script out. John and I wrote scenes. Um, they thought we were nuts down there at the production office. And then, you know, they called <clears throat> they called Roger and they said, he's not making the script. And then Roger got angry. He came down. He said, let me see the footage. And they showed him the footage. He said, this is great, full of action. Because I wasn't, I wasn't, I knew Roger wanted action. That's all I, action and nudity. That's yeah. what he, he lives on, thrives on, as do I. So I said, I'm not going to cheat him on that. I'm going to give him exactly what he wants. I'm going to give him action and nudity. But I'm not going to give him this stiff, old, retread plot that, you know, everybody's tired of seeing. I said, I want to, I'm going to do one, I'm going to do, I want to disguise it happened one night and, and, uh, that's what I did. And it became a very popular movie. And there's a lot of people, a lot of fans of that movie. And I, I do appreciate the fact that they get it. Because mm-hmm. we were working with $10 sets that were on the, uh, you know, on the cheap and falling apart. But I said, you know, we can, we can have fun. We can have fun. And that's what we did. And that's why I think it gets so many good reviews on IMDb. Yeah, I think that's a big difference, isn't it? You can tell if people have had fun making a film too. Yeah, we were. Well, it wasn't all fun because you know the uh, the Argentinians thought we were. They were trying to steal some money, and and make it make it on on the cheapo, and you know I was try, I was fighting to make a good movie, and then we had rain problems and we had you know location problems, but it all worked. At the in the end, you know, there's a, there's a shot in the film where I actually put a I actually put a, a a bald tire in the middle of the shot, and 
time. A lot of people see it and they don't they don't they don't recognize it, but it's right in the front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shot where the where the where Deathstalker and Evie are riding off to uh some adventure and I said, Throw that tire right in the water And they did. They threw the tire right in the water and I said, Make sure it's in the shot and the, and the, and they were the cameraman who loved me because I was trying to learn talk to him in Spanish said you can't do that you can't do that and I said yes yes I can but throw the tire and they had a screening for the crew and they thought it was the best thing they ever ever had, had ever done so it was kind of fun <laughs> can you remember you, yeah go ahead I was gonna say, can you remember how long the shoot was for that as well it was overly long yeah it was like it was like I don't know five weeks wow but you know we didn't shoot every day there was problems and um i was uh i was happy cuz i was with uh tony naples and Monique gabriel and uh and there were a lot of other you know local hotties in argentina and it was just you know we were always hitting hitting the, the buenos aires on on weekends to have fun <laughs> That sounds like proper movie making. That's how it should be. It, it, it is how it is with me. It's not location, it's vacation. Okay? <laughs> so, um, so, anyway. We jump, we should jump forward a year. How was it directing Tracy Lords in her first mainstream film in 88, Not of This Earth? You know, Tracy and I are still friends. I talk to her every week or so, okay? Uh, I know we never made another movie together, but we did hang out together after the show. Uh, I tried to get her into the lead of Return of Swamp Thing, but because of her, you know, past, the producers took a pass. And uh, But I've been friends with her, well, since 1988 talk about hotties it doesn't get any hotter than Tracy <laughs> and uh, you know underneath it all you know she's she's a tough cookie you know I, you know she's the velvet steamroller okay <laughs> and but you know she knew what I was trying to do for her and that is get her out of you know the porn image and put her in a mainstream image yeah. And it really helped her get a good career going. And, you know, uh, she's married now with a kid and she's, you know, still acting. But, you know, it's a different it's a different age now. But she's still a hottie. Oh, yeah. She is still a hottie. Yeah. I've seen her in a few films lately. She's, she's yeah, kind of I had, out a good career. I had, I, had, I had lunch with her a month ago. And in in Malibu, and uh, she was still she's still stunning and and beautiful. So and and you know I hope to work with her again very soon. Oh, I was I was going to ask actually if there were any plans for you to work together. We had it. We ha I have a potential series, but um, um, but with her hosting, but it has not come to uh, fruition yet. Hmm. Oh, again, well, keep us informed if you do, you know. 
Oh, yeah, of course. I'll put her in every kind of outfit you can imagine. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking forward to that one as well. <laughs> okay. All right. We got we got a couple more that were in the eighties that you did. Uh, you got nineteen eighty nine, and you did Return of the Swamp Thing with Heather Locklear. Now I've got yes. I've got to I've got to say one of um, one of my best friends, and he's a friend of the podcast, and all the listeners know him as Ramrod, and he's told me. Yeah, I have to tell you that he's on record as saying that the Return of the Swamp Thing is one of his all time favorite comic book movies. Well, there you go, Ramrod. Thank Ram. you. I appreciate it. And. Uh... Yeah, it was a lot, that was a lot of fun to make. That was a very expensive movie. Probably one of the most expensive and overly expensive movies because they were spending money in all the wrong places. But, you know, I demanded a, um, a revised costume. I said, the old co- the, 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 the West Craven costume ain't going to fly here. I want, the, I want it much more looking like the Swamp Thing. And... You know, I, I, I was a comic book fan, so you know, I tr- I tried to capture the best I could um, what um, you know visually some of the Swamp Thing t- panels and stuff. Hmm. The script itself was a little tepid, but I like I like I liked it, and I liked working with the two kids. I liked working with. Uh, Heather, who was a doll, and of course I had Monique Gabrielle on that one, so um, my spare time was taken taken up well, and uh, um, it was it was a fun show. The only the only the only, the only bad thing was Louis Jordan, uh, who brought his MGM baggage with him, and he was unpleasant. Mm-hmm to work with and um uh but you know you got, he was in the first one so i had a, I had to carry it over yeah so um but he was most unpleasant and uh not saying i hate him but you know you know he would do one take and say that's it and i'd say no louis that's not it we gotta do it again from another angle here and uh you know, he had that MGM baggage with him, and I said, "This ain't Gigi," but he did do that little Gigi bit when I uh, when I named the parent Gigi, so <laughs> so that he could do that little monologue he does with the parrot from the from the original movie, which you know I enjoy doing stuff like that. Yeah. So, and uh, of course, no, could anybody who watches Return of Swamp Thing has never seen Gigi? Okay. <laughs> that is, but for those ten people who know, I did it. Okay. Do you get, do you and, get more freedom then working on a like a lower budget one? Is the less hassle working on the lower budget films? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I Return of Swamp Thing. It was like Charlie Sheen was on set. I don't know. Must have been five or six days just hanging out. I don't know who, he's, who, he, who he was friends with, but he was on the set. <laughs> and Tommy Lee came down because Heather was married to him. Okay, and he was on the set. And, you know, we'd go out in <laughs> at night. The Savannah Police Department would pick us up at our motel and take us, <laughs> take us places. Okay, the police department. And 
they they'd rev up that siren and <laughs> take us places. It was it was a whole different ball game. Because they, you know, everybody knew Heather Locklear, and and Monique was no slouch either, and even even Sarah Douglas, who um, played the 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 villain, the Louis Jordan's you know love interest, was very attractive at the time. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, well our last eighties related question is um, about uh, Transylvania Twist, where you worked with Robert Vaughan amongst others. Okay. Uh, Transylvania Twist and The Haunting of Morella were kind of back-to-back shows, okay? And I have always been and will always be a Man From U.N.C.L.E. fan. Um, and it was my chance to work with both of them. And uh, I wish I had got them together on one day, but I didn't. Um, but, you know, working with McCall- David McCallum and Robert Vaughn was hilarious. Transylvania Twist was the best time I've ever had making a movie because I was doing all these parodies of movies I've loved from Horror of Dracula to Night of the Living Dead to almost every horror movie you can think of and beyond and every day was like a party and everybody knew it everybody was having so much fun on that show Um, you know character actors like Howard Morris Angus Scrim I'm just trying to remember who else? We had Deanna Lund from um, Land of the Giants. We had uh, um, Steve Franken from the part, you know, from the party. You know, the whole the whole cast was in on the joke, and they were having the best time. And the script was wonderful by R. J. Robertson. It was great. Oh, that's good. And then, and then Haunting of Morella was the other side of the coin. It was a very serious picture done basically on the same sets with different, you know, turned, and then we turned the walls around and made different, different sets, but it was like they, they were done almost back to back. So I, I always look at those two films as the man from uncle pictures <laughs> and, and, uh, they were both fun to work on. And I, I want to go, we're going to go into the nineties because I love the fact oh you've, you've, you've directed under a few different names. And um, the first name that you picked, I love being a big Clint Eastwood fan. I love that you picked Arch Stanton. Oh, yeah, straight away. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> Why? I mean, I take it you're a big fan of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly too. then, to pick yes, it up. Yes, I am. One of my top, it's in my top ten. It's one of those films you can watch almost any time. And, uh, and uh, I do. <laughs> it's a great picture. I'm a big spaghetti western fan. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Is there any particular stories behind any of the other names that you used? Well, no, there isn't. Nothing funny. Just, I guess Tom Papatopoulos was uh, one of the ones I came up with because we had a guy, <laughs> well, we had a guy working on the, on the, on the uh, film named Steve Gregoropoulos, okay? And they said, well, who you want to... Who are you going to direct? What, what name are you using in this one? And I, I, Steve Gregoropoulos asked me this question because he's the legal guy. And I said, um, so I said, okay, Steve Gregoropoulos, let's, um, on this one, I'm going to be Tom Papatopoulos. Okay. <laughs> and he, he wrote it down and it became Tom Papatopoulos. And Harold Blueberry and H.R. Uh, Blueberry, uh, these are all the, 
kind of just funny names I, I use uh, sometimes. Jay like Andrews it. was Jay Andrews was my uh, Andrew was my middle name, so I used my first initial and and Andrew to become Jay Andrews. What what about I use that I use that on a lot of my you know high tech you know stock footage movies. Ah, uh, <laughs> I love Louis De, Louis De Walnut is one of my favorite ones. Louis De Walnut is not me. Oh, it's down on IMDb as you. Louis De Walnut, that is not me. That is Steve. That that's I've been trying to get them to take that off because I ah. that is that is not my picture, and I've written them. I hate these guys at IMDb. I've written them. And I've said this is not me. This is not me. Louis De Walnut is is. Um, Steve Goldenberg, right, so who, is an, put... who, who is an apprentice of mine at one point, uh-huh. but Louis the Walnut is is Steve Goldenberg. Well, I'm clear that up as well. They could be doing it now yes. because I, as we're recording, IMDb is not online, <laughs> so they could be changing it now. Okay, <laughs> well, good. Um, Scream Queen Hot Tub Party, which was called Hollywood Scream Queen Hot Tub Party. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they wanted to make sure they knew what it was. Uh, Shot in one day. Wow, yeah. Shot in one day. I think it only runs 47 minutes. But um, it was shot in one day at Fred Olin Ray's house um, back in some Saturday, I think it was, in 1991. And uh, we just decided to do it. <laughs> I said, if we can do this in one day, it, it'll be worth doing. And working with all these hot chicks all day long, come on. You oh, can't yeah. beat it. You can't beat it. It's just like, you know, it was, you know, seeing all these hot chicks naked in a hot tub. Um, <laughs> I remember, I, I remember when they all got out of the hot tub to go take a shower. <laughs> In another part of the house, I said, "Hey, we could sell this water <laughs> <laughs> in vials." And, uh, but I, I think I said, "Who's going to go? Who's going to reach in there to pull the plug?" And uh, I think I did. But I had a, <laughs> it was it was that water was that water had been used. Okay, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Non-potable, as they say. So anyway, what's going? On? What? That's all I can tell you about Screen Queen Hot Tub Party. We shot one day. We shot on uh, three-quarter inch tape, and uh, it was pretty much a hilariously fun day to shoot. Uh, it was fun to like watch too. Be... What's that? It was really fun to watch too. I remember having that on VHS. Oh yeah, I remember we were Fred and I just wrote that script. You know. We were we were totally off the cuff on that one. And then, if we go into the nineties, then you brought it up before. This was the rise of the the erotic thriller. Oh yes. Well, I did a bunch of them. I did Sins of Desire. I did my the Desire trilogy. Mm. It was Victim of Desire, Sins of Desire, and Virtual Desire. Because these, these just, uh, I remember these renting off the shelves like crazy. They were so popular. Well, um, you know, they were they were kind of fun to make. Sins of Desire was the worst for me because of Tanya. Um, and then I did Body Chemistry 3 and 4, I believe. 
and that was one was with Shannon Tweed. I think I did, you know, and Victim of Desire was with Shannon Tweed, and uh, Shannon was great. Got to meet, I got to meet her husband uh, from Kiss, and uh, you know, it was kind of fun. You know, I, those movies were fun to make at the time. They were like two, you know, two six-day weeks, and you, yeah, and you'd be done. They were twelve days, twelve days. So, I would, I would, you know. Um, Go in, shoot them. I remember that um, Victim of Desire was the, was the fun one because we there was an earthquake during one of the takes, so you can see the whole place start oh, wow. to shake and fall, shake and fall apart. <laughs> I love that you kept filming though. That's good. <laughs> well, I, oh, the best the best one is is, is um, uh, we I, I produced a movie or co-produced a movie called a Bikini Drive-In with Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were up in a drive shooting in a drive-in the night of the big Northridge earthquake in California, and the films and the, the film was rolling. And the stuff you see on that footage we didn't use is amazing. You see all kinds of transformers popping and lightning going off, and and the uh, at the drive-in you can see the the poles in the in the earth moving. You know, quite Whoa. an amazing shot. So, yeah. you know, the speaker poles. Wow, that's so crazy. It, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, now, I've got to say, Jim, up to now, I'd say my on-set documentary is one with uh, Lloyd Kaufman. It's about the making of Poultry Geist. But yes. this, I think it could be beaten because today I saw the trailer for Poppetopolis that was made during the Witches of Brestwick. Now yes. I've, 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 I've got to watch this documentary because the trailer has really, has really intrigued me. I need to watch this. You know, Tell... it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a mockumentary. It's a, it's, it's reality. I let these guys on the set mm-hmm, and yeah. it took them like six years to put it all together. But when they did and I watched it, cause I was afraid I was, I was going to be made, made to look like a total ass. But um, they did a really nice job. It, it doesn't. It, it 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 shows you how hard it is to make one of these movies. What they don't tell you in the documentary is, is that the movie I was making made a lot of money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a three day it was a three day movie, and it it it, it show it, we it, they show all the foibles of of making a three day movie. But at the end of the day, it made a ton of money. It was on HBO. HBO bought it, and uh, Showtime bought it, and uh, got DVD deals. And the and the film cost thirty grand. Wow. Thirty grand to make because I didn't charge my fee because mm-hmm. I owned it. Okay. And you know the profit I made on that was spectacular. You know, oh, sometimes yeah. when you make these things, you know, you don't know, and you own them, it, it, they just sell. So it was like what happened with uh, when I did Bear Wench Project after Blair Witch. That was made in that was made in two days, and oh. for twelve thousand dollars. Wow, that's and, a good price. And the sales I've made on that picture, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. 
The only problem is now I, it's, it wasn't shot in high def. It was shot on a little handy cam. So I can't, I can't, you know, keep selling it. Nobody wants anything shot on tape unless it's high def. So a lot of my films that were, you know, a couple of my films that were shot in that format, you know, they're pretty much, you pretty much have to go looking for them on DVD. Mm-hmm. Where's the best place to, can we, can anybody pick up the, this documentary from anywhere? Can we buy it from anywhere or is it, all, is it an extra on a on, disc? I think it's on, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. If you have, have a look. If you have Netflix over there. I don't yes, know if we you do. do or not. Well, I don't. It, it might be British Netflix, but it it, it it's on U.S. Netflix. Okay, and I'm sure you. Can, I'm sure you can get a copy on eBay or Amazon or something like that. Yeah, I'll definitely have to have a look for that. Uh, closer to as well. Now it's. Um, I was looking online, and of course you, you've got a lot of films on this Cinemax After Dark. Uh, yes. And they've been. Isn't the rumours of them like stopping the the adult it's programming? A, it's, a, it's just it's just a rumour. Is, because that that would be ridiculous. That's like Playboy saying, you know, you know, that's like Hugh Hefner and Playboy saying, you know, <clears throat> we're going to replace the centerfold with a with a roadmap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I okay, couldn't believe we wanna, it. When we want to was... upscale our thing, so we're we're going to put you know um, scenic, you know, shots of the United States and and the world in the on the centerfold. Okay, mm. they can say that. But doing it is another story. Okay? Yeah. They they want to get rid of the Cinemax, Skinemax label, but they, they're they not making any... They're still buying my product. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they know what people are watching. Okay? They have ratings. They know that sometimes one of my little tiny movies out does out 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 does their big time, prime time shows mm-hmm. so i you know and and my distributor tells me that this whole thing about um, uh, them dropping all the errata stuff is is a bunch of horseshit. oh yeah, I couldn't believe it when I was reading it. I thought this is like a ridiculous decision I mean this has been going on I think. I might be right in saying this that it started. I think it was 1984 that they started yeah. broadcasting it, and it's like you know it's been a staple part of it for so long. They can't just drop it. And like you said, it's so popular. Yeah, it, everybody, every, everybody doesn't admit to watching it, but they they're watching it. Mm-hmm. They're watching it every night, and these titles get high ratings. So this horse dung about dropping it for upscale programming, they're going to lose subscribers. Oh, yeah, you know, definitely that, so. That, if they ever do it, people are going to say, what do I need this for? Yeah, and someone yeah. else, And so, someone else is going to start reaping the benefits, like Showtime and the movie channel. Because people won't watch Cinemax. After dark, they'll watch Showtime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like and, saying it, it's... so you know, again, Hefner can talk about replacing the centerfold with you know, uh, roadmap, but he, he he's not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, like I say I can't. 
Well, fingers crossed this doesn't go ahead. Anyway, it's a stupid, stupid if they do. Well, I've got a, I've got a whole slew of titles coming up soon. So, oh, good. I just good. did. Uh, I just did a a uh, unofficial version. I shouldn't. I can't say. It. I should. I shouldn't say it because <laughs> that. It, it, but I did. An, I, I did a one. I did a, a picture called "Sexually Bugged," and um, it's quite a. Anybody with a little sci-fi knowledge will know what I what I did. Okay, oh, okay. that's all. I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, and I have scared topless coming up. I just yeah, shot. That was I just shot scared, scared topless with Cindy Lucas. Mm-hmm. So, is the next one going to be a, the the women's prison one, the shark women's prison one? The next one should be Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre, which is not a sex thing. It's a it's an action sci-fi type show. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm and then I have one. a thing called Cobra Gator coming up, too. Oh, wow. So, oh, at least I got <laughs> quality titles, right? Oh, yeah, I want to see Cobra Gator. If I, I wasn't making, a... if, if I wasn't making it, I'd like to see it. Okay. <laughs> That's it. I see a title like that, and I'm in straight away. I have, I've got to watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I saw Cobra Gator listed, I'd say, you know, I'm there. <laughs> what could they do on this thing? Yeah. Uh, listen so, again. So, so, so that's it. You yeah. didn't ask any good questions, like, uh, like. Uh, who are you going out with during this time, or uh, you know what's you know what's your what's your Mastercard number? None of those questions got asked. They never get asked. So <sighs> next time, next time, next time, think ask. about that. We will definitely the Mastercard number too. <laughs> Tom and and Dave, uh, it is Dave, right? It certainly is. Yeah. All right. Well, I have I've had a good time. You've asked, you actually asked some good questions. It was been it's been entertaining, and I and I appreciate. You wanting to promote myself and my films, and I really, I really do appreciate that. So, oh, yeah. Have yourself a good evening, and I will, um, I will get with you. Um, you know, send me, send me a link or something to um, when this is up somewhere, so I could point some people toward it. Okay. Of course, I, of course, I will, Jim. Definitely, definitely. So, and keep us up to date on everything you're doing. You know, we'll happily promote it all. All right, thank you very much, guys, and have a have a good night. Okay. Oh, great! Thanks a lot, Jim. Bye now. Bye bye. <laughs> oh, what a guy! Hey, what a what character a, he was. <laughs> I I absolutely love him. I love him. He's brilliant. He's just he's just how I I thought he might be, and how I hoped he would be, and he was. So, Jim, if you're listening to this, you're a star. Thank you. You've made you've made me very happy because <laughs> I. Yes, I remember watching his films, you know, like from from the 80s and like on VHS. And again, it's one of those cases of it's like, oh, man, I loved his films and I'm I'm here talking to them, this, to him. This is like so good. And yeah. yeah. And once again, we've got a guest that just didn't let us down whatsoever. He's like, how entertaining is Jim? Oh, oh it's just brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And all the, and all the like, the, you know, he's talking about the shark films and all that. I was just like. I've seen a couple of them, and I didn't even realise it was him who directed it. So yeah, yeah, I watched. Yeah, uh, oh god, too too many to mention again. Just well, I'm hoping IMDb's back online by the time this this goes up on iTunes. But just go go to IMDb, IMDb, and just look at the films that he's directed. And you know, it's it's like 
not only the films he's directed, the ones he's you know he's written and produced and acted. He's acted in. I think he's got thirty-eight acting credits on there too. He's yeah. He's uh, he loves his filmmaking, and that's what that's what I really love about him. He's one of these guys who's passionate about what he does, uh, and it shows in his films. You know, it's it's oh, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm just so excited that we've <laughs> we've talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that documentary, I have to see that documentary. That sounds right up my street. Obviously, being such a big fan of the documentaries, trying we've been putting on their DVDs and Blu-rays, that's something that I have to see. The Poppetopolis. Yeah, what I'll do is uh, I'll link to the trailer of it on this week's podcast notes so go over to our website tom will give you the address in a minute and there'll be a link straight to the trailer for it and then yeah i'll be hunting out as well i've, I've got to pick that up from somewhere i really have yeah and of course we'll um, put links to all the ways you can get in touch with jim online on our on the podcast notes as well yes everything everything uh, of how you can keep in touch with jim will be on there too and uh, well you better tell them then tell everybody that's listening how they can find us and find the links and everything that we do as well Yes, of course. Our website, where you'll find the notes, is 80spicturehouse.co.uk. Our email can be found at the top of that website or in a contact form, or alternatively, just email us direct, contact at 80spicturehouse.co.uk. Our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash 80spicturehouse. Our Twitter is at 80spicturehouse. And, and I've never mentioned this in a conversation with, and I've been really remiss not to, if you wanted to leave us an iTunes review, if you enjoyed the interview and wanted to leave us an iTunes interview that would help us greatly and it's a uh, it's the 80s picture house you need to search for on itunes yeah for some reason when i set up the the uh, itunes account it wouldn't let me start with a number so i had to put the 80s picture yeah. house so. yeah never meant never mentioned it on an interview show and uh, we get a lot of people listening to these so what better start <laughs> yeah yeah as good a time as any eight, definitely <laughs> yeah number 18 <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> uh well to everybody that's listening, thank you very much for that. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, we've got, well, we've got more in conversation with lined up. We do our regular format shows. Uh, and we've, we've, I don't know, should we give it away? We've got a little bit of a surprise show coming up that we're hoping to record soon as well. Another format show. So we're, um, keep an well, eye on... Not, it's not a surprise. It's on a, it's on our, been all over our Facebook and Twitter for the last half week. So, Well, oh, we talking... about that. Oh, no, I wasn't talking about the Halloween show. What are you talking about? Ah, you see, this, oh, see, that! This is... Oh, that! Uh... Yeah, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is the thing, listeners. We have so many things going on. Even we one don't... of the hosts can't remember. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, keep, keep an eye on our webpage and Facebook and Twitter because everything's, everything's announced between those there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Coming soon. All right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, well thank, again, thanks for listening and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll listen to some more in the future and we'll be back very, very soon. Hi, this is director Jim Wynorski, famous for films, or infamous for, like, hi, this is Jim Wynorski, direct, uh, let me just change this, now, now you got me self-conscious, <laughs> damn it, all right, okay, hi, this is Jim Wynorski, director of such infamous movies as Chopping Mall, Death Stalker 2, and The Return of Swamp Thing, I'd like to all, ha oh shit, fuck, how's that? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha,